Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Truth About Trucking, live, hosted by Alan Smith, a 30-year OTR veteran, business entrepreneur, and motor carrier transportation consultant, specializing in assisting students and new drivers, and pushing forward to raise the standards of the trucking industry. And now, live from beautiful Citrus County, Florida, here's your host, Alan Smith. program. I'm Alan Smith and uh, hanging in there the best I can. I'm still fighting back from a round of the flu for about eight days now, but I just about have it whipped, or it has me whipped. I don't know which one, but I'm doing better. Just have to um, tackle the last obstacle, which is a bout of this bronchitis. But I'm getting there slowly but surely, so if I uh, I will try not to cough in your ear too much. Um, today is Thursday, March 17th, 2011, and I appreciate you tuning in to our show right here on Blog Talk Radio. And, of course, Donna will be joining me, as always, helping me to uh, get back into the swing of things. And I don't know what type of flu I had, but I would not wish it on my worst enemy. But I'm feeling much better and glad to be back on BTR broadcasting across the World Wide Web. And, uh, Donna, you're probably glad to have me back on my feet. You've kept, you, I've kept you pretty busy for the last several days. Oh, well, no, I didn't mind. It was, uh, I felt really bad for you, actually, so uh, <laughs> I'm glad you're feeling better. Oh, well, I figured you'd be glad to stop listening to my whining and complaining and crying. Oh, you weren't too bad. Oh, okay. <laughs> You're just saying that because everybody's listening now. <laughs> well, our show this evening is over-regulating the American truck driver, but it's also an open discussion program as well, whatever you'd like to talk about. I threw regulations up there because it seems that government bureaucracy continues to weave its way through the U.S. trucking industry, largely hitting the professional truck driver where it hurts the most, right in the pocketbook. Ongoing regulations um, coupled with high fees and fines. Uh, We're looking at speed limiters, HOS rule changes, electronic onboard recorders, carbon-based emission control, sleep apnea testing, the CSA, and now, which will probably be most of this show, is the uh, NAFTA-Mexico agreement that will open up the entire United States to Mexican trucks and drivers. So does anyone out there think that just maybe trucking regulations are going a little bit too far? And the FMCSA, as we all know, looks to pick up the financial tab for EOBRs to be placed on all Mexican trucks. Uh, Not really picking up the tab, really. I mean, they're they're wanting to... um, get their hands on some of the funds of that $4.3 million in the general operating expenses for the fiscal year of 2012, and they want to use some of those funds uh, to uh, pay for those EOBRs for the Mexican carriers. And we all know that 
those funds are coming out of the highway trust fund and we all know that the highway trust fund is funded through the fuel tax so basically uh, owner operators US trucking US based trucking companies uh, they want you to pay for the EOBRs to be put on all the Mexican trucks through the millions of dollars that you guys and gals pay through the fuel tax so um big things going on in the in the world of trucking um so us companies and owner operators are left to pay for the devices themselves so our regulations destroying the american trucker our call in number is 347-826-9170 if you'd like to be a part of the show as we will open up the phone lines this evening on Truth About Trucking Live, talking about anything trucking that you want to talk about, no set format, no set topic, just throwing out a few ideas, but open line discussion about whatever is on your mind. And all kinds of regulatory actions seem to be the big thing going on these days, so we always welcome your calls. Glad to have you come and be a part of the show. The, again, 347-826-9170, our call-in number. And, uh, Donna, you may have to do some of the talking tonight, uh, but I'm hanging in there. Here. And, uh, okay, so we'll get started. And Donna and I will be right back to get things started right after this short message. So hang in there with me. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Alan Smith here with the Truth About Trucking Live on Blog Talk Radio. Have you been driving a big rig for a while now and considering starting your own business as an owner-operator? Well, Lone Mountain Truck Leasing offers the best lease purchase plan in the industry. With a small down payment and monthly payments around $1,000 or less, you make the monthly payment, and when the final payment is made, they hand over the title. It really is that simple. There is no big balloon payment at the end, and secondly, the truck is yours, not a lease plan under one truck and company. So if becoming an owner-operator is your goal, do it the right way. Do it the best way. Contact Lone Mountain Truck Leasing on the web at LoneMountainTruck.com or give them a call toll-free at 866-512-5685. That's LoneMountainTruck.com. And be sure to tell them that you heard about them on Truth About Trucking Live. All right, welcome back to Truth About Trucking Live. Glad you're here. See everybody in the chat room. Appreciate you being here. Our lines are filling up with listeners. Glad to have you here. Um, you know, we appreciate our sponsors of this show. They are the reason we uh, are able to uh, do what we do and stay on here. Um, you just heard LoneMountainTruck.com, an excellent company. Uh, I'd like to, the, you know, to check out our sponsors when you get a chance. LoneMountainTruck.com for all your truck leasing needs. And uh, one of our newest sponsors is um, uh, HotelsForTruckers.org, which they have the most comprehensive database of hotels with big rig parking. And uh, our show is also brought to you in part by uh, one another of our fine sponsors, uh, TransProducts.com. They are your full-service transportation material compliance supply and regulatory service provider since 1957, so they've been around a while. And they can help you out with logbook auditing to driver qualification file management, UCR filings, on-site training, fuel tax filing, 
technical service, trans service is like having an entire regulatory agency working just for you. And since we're talking about regulations, that is pretty important to be in compliance today. So with the CSA, the HOS rule change coming up, all the regulations facing drivers in the industry, it's never been more important to stay up on current regs and more specifically remain in constant compliance. So Rich Wilson and his staff of on-site regulatory specialists, they'll relieve your concerns of misinterpreting how you are supposed to comply with personal service from years and years of combined experience and communication. And your drivers as well as CEOs will be trained with the understanding of what, when, why, and how to comply without total interruption of daily operations. And so contact Trans Products. Check them out for more information. And they'll also send you a free catalog. Give them a call at 1-800-367-9100 or check them out on the web at transproducts.com and request more information about products and services. you got to stay up to date on the ever-changing regulations of the industry and always be in compliance and you can do so through the expert services at transproducts.com, and we appreciate them sponsoring our show. So, Donna, I think um, I think the big thing out there right now is this, uh, obviously, this NAFTA Mexico deal, and uh, you know the cross-border program and the EOBRs for these Mexican trucks. Donna, okay. Donna's gone somewhere. Oh, can you hear me? Oh, yeah. There you are. Okay. Don't you think that's probably the biggest thing going on right now? Uh, well, you know, it's one of the biggest things going on right now. It seems like thing of the month club, actually. Um, so this month it seems to be this. Uh, I think it was a real shocker. Uh, I believe that just a month ago uh, we were commending um, Secretary Rayla Hood for saying that, you know, we're not going to let them in if, if they're not safe and regulated and, you know, they're going to have to have EOBRs. And everybody was like, wow, that's great, you know. But looking at it now, uh, it's not so great considering that because we can't tell them they need EOBRs on their trucks since it's not a regulation of ours yet, uh, that means that we have to pay for it. I'm really not sure about that, but I guess if if they're um, blackmailing us those um, tariffs, uh, which I'm beginning to wonder, I read all over, they're not really legal anyway. But uh, since they're doing it and they want to stick with NAFTA and the original agreement, I guess this is the way uh, they think they they should do it. Now, of course, it's all in the name of safety. And, uh, you know, well, we want to be able to monitor the trucks, which I could totally understand. However, if they are considering making the EOBRs uh, mandatory uh, here in the U.S., I would think they'd kind of wait and, and see if that's going to pass, and then you can have the Mexican carriers pay for their own EOBRs. But, you know, that's just my opinion and my two cents. I just don't really get why we have to pay for them at all, especially since um, there's a lot of owner-operators uh, out there, you know, just, you know, one or two trucks, and, and they're paying fuel tax, and, and, you know, nobody's paying for theirs. So, anyway. Um, yeah, well, you know, and also not to mention, you know, the uh, trucking companies out there that have thousands and thousands of trucks, that's a pretty – pretty big chunk but you know we know that uh 
Representative uh, Representative Peter DeFazio, Democrat out of Oregon. Um, and let's see, he's also the ranking member of the House Subcommittee on Highways and Transit. Uh, sent a letter to Secretary of Transportation Ray LaHood, uh, specifically addressing three issues about this uh, cross-border trucking program, safety, security, and job loss. And uh, so he's waiting to hear back from him before he uh continues on with that but he's he's been pretty vocal about this thing from the very beginning even through the bush years and um representative uh, defazio uh put out a statement through a uh, radio actuality addressing the cross-border program on march 10th of this year and um i think i've got it formatted right so we're going to try to listen to what he had to say a little over two years ago, uh, I uh, led uh, members of Congress in opposition to the cross-border Mexican truck program. We forced the Bush administration uh, to end the program because of safety and security concerns. Unfortunately, now the Obama administration uh, is proposing to revise the program and, in fact, uh, to revise it in ways that I believe are illegal and improper. They're proposing a program that would give Mexican trucking companies permanent authority, which could not be rescinded by Congress uh, after only 18 months of operation. I do not believe this administration has authority under law to do that, and I fear that this would jeopardize the safety and security of the traveling public and cause the U.S. to lose tens of thousands of jobs uh, to uh, inexpensive labor from Mexican-based trucking companies. Even more outrageously, uh, in order to address some of our safety concerns, uh, they're going to require the Mexican trucks coming across the border to have electronic onboard recording devices, because in Mexico they don't have hours of service requirements or any enforcement. This theoretically would address the concern of fatigued drivers. It might. But they want U.S. taxpayers to pay to install these devices in Mexican trucks that's outrageous, and I do not believe they have legal authority to use our scarce trust fund dollars in that way. I've directed a, a letter to uh, Secretary LaHood uh, and asked him to specifically cite uh, any and all legal authority he believes he has to implement a permanent cross-border Mexican trucking program, uh, and uh, then I will look to take further steps uh, after he responds to that letter. Okay, so that was just a, a two-minute announcement, radio actuality that this representative Fazio put. And, um, you know, you, you just heard me speak about transproducts.com, and they're the regulatory experts. And actually we have Rich Wilson of transproducts and, and uh, trans services on the line. He's a regulation expert. I'm going to yank him in here. He may not want me to, but I'm pulling him in here. <laughs> Rich, I see you on the line there. How you doing? Good, good. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm well, good. This thing really you. seems to be uh, heating up pretty good, rightfully so. Uh, and, you know, we've read the letter. I'm sure you read the letter that uh, uh, Rep. Representative Fazio sent. And um, it's really all about the FMCA wanting to get their hands on on some of that $4.3 million to pay for this. I mean, and coming right out of the highway trust fund being funded through the fuel tax, I mean, everybody has a right to be upset. Absolutely. And, and the thing about it is one of the main key ingredients that uh, LaHood and, and uh, Piero 
were discussing was the fact that if uh, we cannot force the Mexican carriers to um, put their own electronic onboard recorders on because we don't currently have a rule in our uh, regulation stating that our, our carriers must do that. But in actuality, they do have a rule that's already in effect. It went into effect June 4th of 2010, and it states that any carrier that has a 10% threshold of hours of service violations can be mandated by the Federal Motor Carrier to require that that carrier put on an electronic onboard recorder. In fact, it also states in there that if the carrier puts one on now in the period of time, that it will be grandfathered by the year June 4th of 2012. So if we have a law that mandates that our carriers, because of a deficiency or an inadequate uh, hours of service, uh, disciplinary action or whatever, you know, they have a high, th high threshold, um, and that's part of the CSA under the uh, um, fatigue driver basic, um, and, it, and, I, the, and if anybody's been on any of the FMCSA websites, you'll notice where they're actually putting notices where they're forcing carriers to put these electronic onboard recorders in at their own cost. And if you take that rule and use it, and we monitor these Mexican carriers under the same CSA practices as what they're forcing our drivers to do, it's not going to be long before the roadside inspectors, if they do their job, are going to catch these drivers, are going to cite them for hours of service violations, because I know they don't have logs on them. Um, there, a study was done in last year, uh, it was completed in, in, in October of last year on contact with carriers domiciled out of Mexico, and pretty near everyone they pulled over had no logbook on board because they weren't required. Well, that's what generates that seventh basic in violation, and that would cause them to have to meet the same standards as our drivers have to meet, so then they would have to put their own electronic onboard recorders in and at their expense. So, you know, we do have, we do have a current rule in um, uh, that says that they have to do that. So by saying that, then we just have to monitor them at the same way. I'm not. I, I agree um, with LaHood, and I agree with Ann Farrow. We, if, if uh, we have to meet the standards and, and we have to meet the, the agreements of NAFTA, that isn't it better to monitor these trucks when they're coming across the border? Absolutely. But first of all, let's inspect them at the border before they get here. They can't do it in Mexico. They cannot get enough people to go down and give the same safety audit as a new entry a carrier that our own carriers in this country have to pass. And so if they catch them at the border and they are not safe, you stop them, you park them, and you're, you turn them around. That's the first thing. We stop them at the border. The second, if they do come up here, they do meet the minimum safety of standard, and they do not comply with our current laws, we shut them down just like they would shut down any American carrier and put them out of service, and they will develop enough of those uh, violations that it will cause them to generate and have to put those electronic onboard recorders. But if they do everything like they're supposed to, and all we need to do is monitor them, we don't have to put a $1,500 taxpayer-paid electronic onboard recorder and a $39 a month average subscription fee to some type of an Internet service to monitor it. 
we put the same thing that they use on rental cars, which costs about $14 and monitors the movement of the vehicle. Well, <clears throat> I have another question. Uh, I noticed that the um, the first pilot program, which launched in 2007, yeah. uh, those carriers will get credit for the months they spent, uh, you know, using <clears throat> coming over the border. So actually, you could have. Uh, trucks coming over and they'll pretty much be grandfathered in even if this pilot program doesn't succeed. Uh, because there's, a lot of, there's a really a lot of debate on that right now because the problem was they had they had one basic pilot program and every time that um, there would be groups like uh, Kenanar would file tr would file um, things in the courts in Mexico. Um, and it said that it was unfair because we're the ones that stated they have to meet our same safety standards as our trucks and follow 49 CFR, the Code of Federal Regulations. And they said that their carriers were doing that. And as long as their carriers were doing that, they wanted some kind of a credit based on the on the miles and, and, and time frame. And it was kind of confusing on exactly what the credit base was going to be on. And um, it was DeFazio, during the original one, said, well, what credits do our carriers get if they behave themselves? Right. Right. You know, I mean, it's like we don't even give our guys credits. You know, all we do is we throw additional taxes like Unified Carrier Registration Agreement. You know? Well, There's well, another. Let, let me just ask you another question, uh, and I don't, I don't know if, if anybody's thought of this or, or maybe it's not even relevant. But what about the um, American companies that are domiciled in Mexico? At, at this point, are they not considered Mexican carriers? Well, the thing about it is we, we all know that there's a lot of carriers in this country that have put a um, you know, an, an fourth effort to purchase carriers in Canada, Snyder, Celadon, Swift, carriers like that. They bought up assets with carriers in that country. Um, saying that, basically what we're talking about is an American-based carrier that is com that is currently, quote-unquote, complying with the, with the current regulations, and they're basically putting Mexican drivers in those trucks. Well, my concern is if we pay for the electronic onboard recorders for these people and supply it in their trucks, then we're in actuality, aren't we paying the, our fuel taxes and our highway trust fund, paying an American carrier to put an EROB in his truck? That, that, was, yeah, that's a, that, was, that, that's, that was the point, huh, daughter? Yeah, mm -hmm. that's what I wanted to ask you. Let's and, all go uh, to Mexico and get a Mexico DOT number and have somebody put our mandatory EORBs. They're going to shove down our throat. Don't mount them on our dash for us. Yeah, yeah, that, that was kind of the that was kind of the point she was making. Let's grab a call here, uh, Rich. I'll just have you hang on if you want. Um, uh, let's go to Texas, area code nine five six. Go ahead, you're on the air. Hi, it's uh, me, James Linden. How you guys doing? Hey, good, James. James how are you? How you doing? Good, Hi. good, good. It's I've been pretty busy, but I haven't been in touch with y'all as, as much as I wanted to. But uh, I know. this NASA thing, I'm telling you, it's something else. I'm I'm 
trying to put together a PowerPoint to kind of show folks how how this NAFTA thing is really going to affect them. Um, I have family that's in Mexico. I'm half Mexican, and I have family that's in Mexico that's in the trucking industry. And according to my sources, um, the people that I know in Mexico are not even moving freight. What they're doing is they're trying to help the uh, Mexican fleet uh, increase. There's a big move for buying trucks and and equipment to to increase their uh, freight capability. Um, it's uh, it, it's just this this is a very huge thing. Um, and there's not going to be any oversight as far as trying to keep the same standards as American standards in Mexico. It's not going to happen. Um, you got to remember, there's a saying in Mexico that says "sin trenzas no avanzas." Without being corrupt or crooked, you can't get ahead. <laughs> and the, it's it's the truth. And the thing is that there is no oversight with money talks in Mexico. And if you have enough money to pay off the right people, you can operate. And the the standards of operation are not the same. And anybody who says different is is lying because it's just the way it is. I've lived in Mexico. My family's from Mexico, and I've seen how businesses run in Mexico. Um, everything from tax issues to just conducting business. Uh, period is is uh is done uh differently in Mexico. It's who you know. The system is also very nepotistic in that sense. So you you have to know the right people and you have to be connected to the right people in order to operate. Or your pockets have to be very deep. So it's um it's not going to be the same. Um it's it's a lot bigger than. I mean I, I've been working on this thing for four months and I still haven't been able to even go halfway. Um, there's, wow. there's a plethora of information out there that uh, that I'm still trying to develop on to try to make it concise where people can understand uh, how big this really is, how uh, American industry is being forwarded to Mexico, and how NASA is also going to allow people to move merchandise into the United States, consumer goods to be moved into the United States with Mexican drivers and kind of phasing out uh, the owner-operators and 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 uh, and. In the, the large companies that are able to establish a, um, a good foundation or an infrastructure in Mexico are going to be the ones that are going to benefit. So it's a, it's a very, very big thing. I mean, uh, to try to pinpoint one direct thing, and it, it's just it's a multitude of things. You know? So are the Mexican people happy about this? <laughs> of course. Well, they, they got their maquiladoras that are, that are supplying and manufacturing goods to be sold here in the United States. A lot of American companies are situated in Mexico, which used to be American uh, jobs, are now, being, uh, are now being done by Mexican uh, workers. So, of course, their, uh, Mexicans are, are loving it. You know, they're, they're having uh, more opportunities for manufacturing work in, in Mexico. Well, the last time you and I spoke, James, um, you we had discussed the fact that uh, the Mexican farmers were really going to suffer from this. Um, Correct. Be- we we have government subsidized agriculture in the United States, and since uh, we're moving grain into to Mexico, the Mexican farmers are the ones that are being affected uh, by the NAFTA agreement because we they can't compete with prices per ton. Uh, our corn, for instance, is far cheaper than what they could uh, farm it for and sell it at, at, in the market over there. So it's very, very difficult for them to compete. So they're being forced to move to the cities, and they're being forced to also work in these uh, manufacturing jobs in the maquiladoras. 
So when when I when I ask, are the Mexican people happy? I guess when you said yes, you're you're talking about the the trucking industry. The trucking industry and the and the and the and the people that live in the more densely populated areas, not in the rural areas. The the, the folks that live in the rural areas of Mexico are not are suffering, but the folks right. that are, are are in the densely populated areas with the that ha- are, are promoting industry in their cities like uh, Monterrey, Ciudad Juarez, which Ciudad Juarez is having big trouble right now. But there's other there's other cities in uh, like in the state of Chihuahua, for instance. You have uh, Gomez Faria, Zaragoza. You have uh, Ascension, Chihuahua. You have different places that uh, that you have uh, manufacturing. So it's interesting because if you go to the state of Chihuahua and you have Zaragoza, uh, Gomez Farias. And you have Ascension, Casas Grandes. These are all rural farming communities. However, uh, AMSA, which does uh, electrical wiring components for GM, for Ford, for different uh, manu- uh, uh, car manufacturers, they, they're able to pull uh, the rural, the, the people from the rural areas to come in and work for them because that's the most profitable thing for them to do. So it's interesting that they're starting to set up uh, industry in these rural, which used to be farm. They used to sell peaches. Chili's, uh, cattle. I mean, they they had a, a whole farming and agriculture uh, industry there, but that's been uh, that's been severely hurt due to the fact that they have more manufacturing jobs, so they're forced now to work in these uh, maquiladoras. Wow. So they they're probably paying really cheap labor for them. Oh yeah. I mean, you got to remember, an engineer in the states, you know, can earn a, over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Uh, in comparison, an engineer in Mexico makes two hundred bucks a week. You know, it's, right. a, it's it's a it's a win win situation. Um, but you got to remember, it's not like it's a it's a fair market where people can compete. No, on the contrary, it's who you pay off. My brother had a quality control business in Mexico for a number of years, and in, in order for him to to get contracts, he had to pay off the engineer who was in charge of the contract acquisitions for their subcontractors. So he had to pay off the guy. So this is what he would do. In order for him to work and, and operate his business, he had to put people on the payroll that weren't really there. That was money that he would charge the company. But in lieu of that, he would get that salary and pay it to the engineer. Wow. Yeah. So and I and you got to realize that I'm sorry? the IRS isn't the same there as it is here no, either. No, no, it's not. There's you can have you have different types of companies that are are, are categorized in different ways. You have régimen general, sociedad anónimas, and a régimen general. And a régimen general, what that does is that you can go and pay the Mexican IRS, their their uh, division of the IRS, um, and you pay them a, a monthly amount. So l- let me put a scenario. Let me let me make it into a scenario. If you're an if you're an American, okay, and you conduct business, you have a business registered in Mexico, okay. You have two types of forms that you use in order to receive payment. You have remisiones, remissions, and facturas. Facturas are the invoices. You can sell a product in the United States, okay, and and sell it there and receive a payment from the United States. Deposit it in an American account. However, you pay no money to the American IRS because you've already paid a certain fee to not pay taxes, and you can demonstrate any form that you want in order to export the item into the United States, either via remisión or a factura, 
and the facturas have a cédula and a control number. But you can have two sets, or you can use remisiones. Remisiones is the only thing you need to export an item uh, from Mexico to the U.S. So you don't have to. You pay a very nominal amount in Mexico, and you have an American account. So you show very low earnings in Mexico, where you pay hardly any taxes. And because of the double trade, the double tax agreement that we have with Mexico, uh, these guys are, are making money hand over fist because they're not paying the, any government on either, on either side. And if they are paying the Mexican government, they're paying a very nominal amount because they can show, uh, they can show a factura for one thing, but they can, they can use a remisión to export the item to the U.S. Yep. So wow. they can put two yeah. different figures on there. So not only then you're saying not only do they get cheap labor, but they get to uh, pay um, very little taxes because they're just paying Absolutely. a very, a very right. nominal amount. So because of the double uh, double tax agreement, we cannot tax a Mexican company who's registered in Mexico. And they can fix the paperwork on the Mexican side, which I've, I've seen it done. Uh, my brother had a very bad accountant that screwed up his paperwork one time, and they were, uh, they were on him in Mexico. About uh, about paying, but uh, the way he made that go away was he paid the guy a grand, and it went away. Yep. The problem went away. And so you can't do uh, that with the IRS here. <laughs> no, you can't do. We don't have the same concession in the U.S. No, and the U.S. is yes. run for office. I'm sorry. The only thing you do in the U.S. is become the Secretary of the Treasury. Then you don't have to pay your taxes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you're and then you're in the pockets of the lobbyists who promote big business. So, which is really nice. <laughs> That's a good setup. James, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. Um, one, of, one of the things that I, I, I ran into in doing my research as well is, is the tariffing that the Mexicans are putting on the uh, burden of the American manufacturers. And a good example, which you brought up, was the autom- automobile manufacturing with the assembly of parts in Mexico. And, with, and the Mexican government knew that if they went to the major manufacturers and used a tariff kind of as an extortion to say, okay, we're going to tariff everything uh, that isn't being uh, brought into the United States under the NAFTA agreement, and which was the same marriage of the same type of carriers in the United States that are hauling forward the larger manufacturing type of, of, of um, um, society, that they're bringing those type of carriers down there and they're buying up um, Mexican um, authority, which I don't have a whole lot of faith in Mexican authority, as you understand. But they're no. buying that up and they're bringing it in under the cloak of their of the big 100 or whatever companies here. And they're Correct. getting a cooperative agreement to loosen those tariffs to make the product cheaper to produce in Mexico and not have, and like you said, have the tax advantages to ship it over here cheaper. So not only do you have the, the, the NAFTA agreement, you have the manufacturers that are supporting the American-owned companies buying up Mexican carriers because the government's almost giving them a guarantee that if you come down here and you set up an operation and you, you can haul for these carriers, we'll give you breaks as there. Are you hearing that from Absolutely. your people in Mexico? Absolutely. You got to remember, Mexican government, uh, you know, facilitates uh, American uh, manufacturers to go into Mexico, um, and they'll 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 put blocks. They'll they'll they'll, they'll uh, basically what Mexico will do 
is that one will facilitate industry to go into Mexico, but they will also facilitate uh, any subcontract or any sub category of that manufacturing industry. They'll also facilitate the business for that as well. So uh, it's exactly what you say. It, it's it's just like that. I mean, it. Um, you know, you got to remember. This is a very big, big thing. Mexico has ports. <laughs> Mexico has ports. Mexico has manufacturing. They don't have the same environmental regulations that they do in the states. Um, and now with this NAFTA superhighway going in, not only that, you're going to start losing jobs. Not in the trucking industry, in the manufacturing industry. In the any and other forms of logistics, you have trains that also go into Mexico. You also have, um, you know, you know, shipping logistics, uh, overseas logistics coming into to Mexico, and, and now they're increasing their fleet. And what what the what my sources tell me is that uh, they're preparing themselves because they think they're going to have the ability to actually have stuff ported into the to Mexico, manufactured in Mexico go to a free trade zone in the States and distribute from there. And that's why you see large companies setting up infrastructure in order to support uh, mass logistics coming into the States. Well, they, they, proved, they, proved yeah. that they proved with produce and moving agricultural products through rail cars across the border to uh, terminal locations where they were unloading the cans, you know, the trailer-type cans, and then having American companies do the distribution to the you know, to the uh, produce distribution points was right. one of the most successful operations there was. And the numbers that, that came out in pre-2007 showed that is one of the most efficient ways to move agricultural products that came out of Mexico in the particular time of year, which that grows down there. And, and immediately the first thing they did is the Mexican government taxed and tariffed rail exactly. in the United States, and they said, okay, Southern Pacific, you know, and all these, pay us, and we'll lower the levies on this. And the American government, exactly. through rail, which is American government subsidized, went to their government, and they said, hey, you're our subsidy, you're our boss, you, you keep us going, you keep paying us money that the truckers are paying for, and we're moving this stuff successfully and efficiently, and they're tearing it. What are you tearing, tariffing us? What are you going to do about it? And the American government says, unfortunately, we got to do this with NAFTA because that's what an agreement was signed, and we didn't really pay attention to what we were signing, and we're kind of stuck with it. So I think Correct. that would have probably been a greater thing is to ship it in cans across the border to waypoints, and at which point it could have been loaded on chassis and distributed throughout the United States. And the same Absolutely. companies that are doing that. In, uh, that are going to Mexico and increasing their fleet sizes are the ones that own the cans. I would encourage anybody to go onto the, their internet, Google Fletes Mexicanos, which is the largest logistical, you know, trucking company in uh, in Mexico, and Canacar is their lobbyist, basically. And I would like for people to go onto the the little tab in the section that says alliances. And if you look at the alliances, I mean, you have J.B. Hunt, Swift, you have, uh, you have a, a plethora of American logistical groups that are actually allied with uh, Fletes Mexicanos. So if you have American companies that are talking about, oh, it's, you know, we want to keep them the same standards, but they're setting up infrastructure and they're already allied with a large uh, trucking group, which is uh, being lobbied uh, by Tanacar, 
that uh, they should they should ask questions pro bo- you know quid uh, pro bono who 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 benefits from all of this who uh, who gains from all of this um, see this is a reflection I, I spoke to some truck drivers here in Norway I live in Norway by the way I live in Norway and uh, before there used to be owner operators here in Norway um, unfortunately they over regulated the industry here as well and they phased out the owner operator. Uh, and they just allow large companies. You can count on your hands the uh, the large companies that are here in Norway, um, and basically they cornered the market. Um, you, the thing is, is for, uh, the con- the consensus that I get when people talk about owner operators in the trucking industry that the owner operators are the checks and balances for the companies. Uh, they're the ones that people go to to know who's a good company to work for. And it keeps things pretty much on a level and, and, and fair playing field when it comes to this industry. And, you know, this over, you have to look at overregulation, phasing out uh, owner operators, large companies setting up infrastructure in Mexico. Uh, they're associated with large Mexican carriers who are lobbied by Canacar. Um, and then you also have uh, American uh, manufacturing industry that needs support and logistical support. And you have, a plethora of things. Everything's interconnected in some way. So people need to research this. I, mean, I encourage people to actually, you know, spend some time, research, go on links, see what the companies are. You see the divisions. You know, people like driving their 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 uh, big rigs, and they have Cummins engines in there or uh, Detroit diesels. But most of your components are being manufactured in Mexico. You know, <laughs> everything I have. You guys a, I have, have I have something here that recently that I discovered. In fact, I was uh, going on Canacar, and uh, I noticed where they were showing arbitration filings in Mexico, and everybody, you know, and, and everybody seemed to focus on the larger, the, you know, the bigger companies, and and we we know they have the resources, and the funds, and the fleets that they can ship down there, you know, with with their as their fleet ages up here instead of turning them back in. And flooding the market with used, you know, Freightliners and Volvos, they seem to be moving southern, south into Mexico and getting a, a Mexican DOT number, but they're still white. But but there was something that was filed as an arbitration uh, related to the cross-border uh, trucking agreement with the United States on mm-hmm. behalf of the independent trucking companies of Mexico. And and that was right. one of the big one of the big issues was you know you didn't get a whole lot of information on the independent trucking companies down there that weren't associated with the big ones. And they've now, Canacar's now taken them under their wing, and they're filing arbitration. In fact, they filed it with a, a law firm called White and Case in Mexico City. I wasn't aware I of this. I found very many surnames in Mexico named White or Case. So now hmm. there's even lawyers setting up down there that are filing for these people. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is what we this is all uh, uh, an earful tonight, Alan, huh? Yeah, you know, and, and you know, Rich, you've mentioned a couple times about the tariffs that Mexico has, uh, you know, has placed on the U.S. because of you know not following through with this NAFTA and the FMCSA. The one reason they're you know they're going through this border agreement, you know, in an attempt to get Mexico to withdraw the tariffs, and they've uh, you know Mexico has agreed to reduce its tariff by half. When the final agreement is signed, and then they're going to suspend the rest of the tariffs 
when the first Mexican carrier is granted operating authority, which to get rid of those tariffs are good. But you know what, what frustrates me about that, and you don't ever really hear anybody talk about it, is the uh, billions the billions of taxpayer dollars that the U.S. sends to Mexico every year on the war on drugs. And, you know, we, we, we get no appreciation, no thank yous uh, from Mexico for these billions of dollars that we send down there to help them fight their drug problem. The only thing we get are tariffs. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, the funny thing about it was, you know, just recently an article came out on most of the uh, news medias, and especially the mainstream medias, about how um, uh, the ATF uh, supported a, a sort of a pseudo-false importation of weapons into Mexico so they could track them, and obviously they lost them. Um, you know, and there's thousands and thousands of these weapons that are floating around Mexico now that they can't trace. Well, in the reverse, are we looking in a two-phased mirror where we're going to have all these truckers that they're going to, you know, they're going to put EOBRs on that they're going to track in the United States? You know, I'm sorry, but I go back a long ways in this industry, as you know, Alan, and I'm telling you, first thing a Mexican's going to do is pull the plug on that EOBR. They just recently caught the guy in, in Arizona uh, with, um, he, you know, the Arizona State Trooper pulled him on the scale. He had no license. He had no medical card. He had no logbook. His truck was crap. They put they had like six mechanical out-of-service orders written on it. And in the process, they find 3,300 pounds of pot. Now, yeah. you and I have talked about this before, and that's exactly where we're talking about. Today it's pot, tomorrow it's heroin, and the next week it's terrorists and weapons. You know, I guess. Yeah, well, you know, they, you know, they, they keep the FMCSA and Farrell, they keep throwing out there, you know, to get rid of these tariffs that's been imposed on us would save us $2 billion a year in tariff costs. But I, I just, <laughs> I see a lot more. Uh, you know, paying other ways. You know, just like uh, James said. You know, the the weeding out of the owner operators. Uh, you know, Donna, it's just—I don't know—it's just mind-boggling when you look at this thing. When we're when we're looks like they're trying to do all this just to appease Mexico and whatever happened to you know just the power of the U.S. One thing I will—I do want to uh, make this announcement is that um, J.B. Hunt sold off all their Mexican uh, business interests. They did. Yeah. Really? Wow. So um, I just wanted to make that announcement. When, when did they do that? Um, supposedly a couple of years ago. Oh, did they? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I read, oh, I read okay. A, I read a very good article um, uh, about uh, um, there was a, in a on a conservative website actually, but what it said was is it said there's a surefire way to stop Mexican tariffs: double tax the American manufacturers on whatever the tariff is, put a hundred percent tariff import tariff in the United States and make it so expensive that American manufacturers shut the plants down, bring the reopen the plants in the United States and make it so it's cheaper to manufacture the product here. Yeah. Yeah, or give yeah. them a tax concession to operate here in the United States, you know, uh to make yeah. it uh, economically viable for them to create an industry here again. That Back doesn't cost I mean, that's, that's what we're gonna need. That's no. exactly what we're gonna need. That's more jobs, oh. no, no, in, in, you know, and no investment, more jobs, because you simply 
you make the product that's so cheap coming out of Mexico. The Mexicans want to throw tariffs on it? Let them throw the tariffs on it. Let's match the tariffs. And then the American manufacturers will reopen plants in Detroit, and American truckers will start hauling those wiring harnesses out of Detroit. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's ways uh, around all of it, you know, but some who who's it going to benefit? And that's, you know, that's what you have to look at. Um, A lot of people I, benefit. Yeah, uh, that's what I mean. You know, there, there are other ways to do things, but... You know, it's it. What a tangled weave, uh, web we weave is. Uh, <laughs> what was that Shakespeare, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, you know, it's just a matter of, uh, you know, like I put on the show. You know, it's just kind of government, government gone wild here. <laughs> but listen, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I gotta get it, get it in here. I gotta tell you about our sponsor, HotelsForTruckers.org. If you're tired of not being able to find a place to take a break or the truck stops and rest areas are full at night and you just want to take a break from the sleeper, hotelsfortruckers.org will help you find a hotel where you can fit in. And you can choose from thousands of trucker-friendly hotels across America that accommodates a 75-foot-long tractor-trailer. You can receive great discounts and specials through hotelsfortruckers.org. And if you're traveling with a pet or a smoking preference or need laundry facilities, the free information at hotelsfortruckers.org includes an extensive database to locate the address, phone number, and direct web links to the hotels. So if you use a hotel even just one time a year, you can take advantage of their annual membership fee. It's only $10 a year, which allows easy access to view hotels, which offer additional CDL trucker discounts, nationwide hotel chain discounts, and room coupon specials. So hotelfortruckers.org database is, is comprised of the uh, most extensive list of properties that offer the most needed trucker amenities. So visit the website hotelsfortruckers.org to find the hotel that is right for you. Hotelsfortruckers.org was built by a trucker for truckers. So check them out. It's a great site. Been needed for a long time. That's hotels, the number four, truckers.org. Hotelsfortruckers.org will help you get in where you fit in. And... um, Okay, so Donna, listen, uh, well, we still got a little bit of time here. Um, I figured this time, you know, we'd, we'd pretty much use all this up on, uh, on this uh, NAFTA Mexico and the EOBRs. So, uh, Rich or James, where do you think this is headed? I mean, it, it, it looks like it's going to happen. What do you all think? I think, they're gonna eventually, I think eventually they're going to bow down and uh, they're going to come up with some type of uh, quote-unquote governmental viable issue, which would usually come up with another regulation we'll be stuck with. Um, but, you know, um, I, I brought up a point in a discussion last night, you know, when I said, okay, uh, today it's EORBs. Now, you know, it's, it also says if you read the rule, it says the trucks have to manage uh, and be as safe as our trucks and have to uh, meet all of our requirements. Well, if it's paying for their EORBs, then tomorrow is it going to be paying for Rosetta Stone to teach them English? And then is it going to be, are we going to pay for their pre-pass? I mean, where does it stop? Well, and another thing, and Donna, you brought this up earlier, too, and someone in the chat room, uh, uh, not not keeping up with the chat here very well tonight, somebody here, who was it, uh, 
I probably can't find it now. But someone in the chat room also said, Don, there's something that you had mentioned. I mean, if they're going to pay for the EOBRs for Mexican trucks, are they going to do it for Canadian trucks? Donna? Yeah, well, oh. I mean, that's that's just the, the question. I mean, that's a very relevant question to ask. And that's that's almost like what we were saying uh, yesterday. What happens if, um, okay, they, they pay for all these EOBRs, and then two months down the line, now it's a, a regulation that everybody in America has to have them, and you're only two months in the three-year pilot program. Well, you know, like you said, are they going to uh, pay then, make it fair, and say, okay, since we did it for Mexico and now it's a law for us, we'll pay for yours too. I, I doubt it, but that would be the fair thing to do. I mean, it would seem logical. Yeah, but they don't seem to be fair when it comes to the American drivers or even the U.S.-based trucking companies. And another good point, too, also, uh, they're wanting to pull this money out of the Highway Trust Fund, and, um, and and that's the same fund, ironically, um, that we also said yesterday, uh, that they don't seem to have the money for Jason's Law in. And, and how many years of study did the FMCSA do to confirm that there's a severe uh, parking uh, shortage for trucks? And that was years ago. That doesn't even include all the rest areas now that are closing because uh, to, to save their, their, um, their budgets. So now it's even worse. So here we are funding for all this, and we can't come up with the money uh, for Jason's Law, which um, I will tell everybody right now we're scheduled to have Congressman Tonko on um, next month when time gets uh, a little closer to that um, resubmitting of Jason's Law. So just we will post that. But anyway, so that's just the irony, and everything is in the name of safety. What what safer thing could you have than finding fatigued drivers places to park? So um, I don't know. It it just is so frustrating for us um, to hear all this, and and you, you know, part of me says, you know, yeah, they're trying to do everything in the name of safety, but logically, it doesn't make sense. So. Yeah, so, Rich, you think, well, EOBR is today, something else tomorrow. Um, James, you live in Norway, and I guess you come back and forth from Norway to the U.S., so what's what's your final thoughts on uh, on this uh, cross-border thing? Well, you know, special interests are going to do what they want to do in order to make a profit, and I think truck drivers need to realize that there is no industry without the driver, and they should uh, – take a more proactive approach and being involved in their livelihood. Um, that's the best suggestion I can do. Um, you know, here they were complacent. Here in Norway they were very complacent about the overregulating, and nobody did anything about it, and now they phased out owner-operators here in this country. So, well, that's and now, pretty much I'm what sorry. we're trying to do with that convention in October to mm-hmm. get people together and uh, discuss all these issues and you know, have a, an organized thought. Um, I know Rich is going to be there. I know you're going to be there. Um, and I'm also going to bring a buddy of mine that's uh, that's a truck driver here in Norway, so he can uh, excellent. shed oh, some light on how uh, Europe, uh, your other European drivers are also starting to uh, flood the uh, the driving industry, the trucking industry here in Norway. So it kind of it kind of it's kind of similar. We have an agreement with Europe here in Norway 
to where we allow, you know, German, Polish, Romanian, other uh, drivers from different countries to come in with uh, no restrictions on their on their vehicles, and they can move freely in this country. However, they overregulate the drivers here, which is uh, a bit uh, kind of a double standard that they have. But uh, it kind of sheds light that um, they're they're in the latter Norway's in the latter stage of where the U.S. is going, and yeah. it. It's it's already too late. So if people don't, if drivers don't uh, take a proactive approach on protecting their livelihood, it's going to be taken from them, and they're going to have uh, a very few large groups and personal interest groups that are going to be able to uh, corner the industry and dictate how it's going to be run. Yeah, well, that's that's well said, and and we know all the things uh, you've mentioned to us about in Norway, and you say you're seeing it right here. And Rich, that's really. Well, really, what kind of what this show is all about—the overregulating—that's exactly what we're seeing. Absolutely. In fact, I went to a I went to a TRB meeting over in Washington, Transportation Research Board meeting, and uh, an engineer for Volvo Trucks was over there, and and of course, you know, TRB is technology of the future, quote unquote. You know, or what manufacturers come up with a new idea? They today they can sell to the government. That'll be a regulation tomorrow. And this guy was really, you know, that we sat there and we listened to him putting um, crash control cameras in the vehicle so they can record incidents, wait, uh, lane, um, um, you know, movements where you move out of the lane and it notifies you, your hours of service, it'll notify you. We got all these electronic devices that they want to put in the trucks, you know, to, and, and the guy made a very simple you know, statement. He says, I design and build Volvos. We keep putting all this equipment in the truck. Where's the driver going to sit? You know, <laughs> yeah. and, 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 you know, it, it sounded comical in its sense, but I sat and thought about it on the way home, and I said, you know, he's absolutely right because you can't take the human factor out of driving. That's just part of it. And, and uh, you, know, they're, you know, the thing that they came out with a few years ago, they did the experiment with the barcoding and the transponders, to where you're riding down the road and your truck is sending it data into a police car and the guy is getting all your pertinent data and that's going to make the decision on whether he stops you. You know, well, you know, I have a problem with the EOBR simply because unless you're going to use biometric identification of who's behind the wheel, all you got to do is give the other guy your your code number and it says he's driving. So. You know, there, there's there's just so much going on with technology, and they're tying it to regulations. I don't know if they're bringing the technology up to meet all the regulations or they're going to start regulating based on the new technology that comes out. And if that's what happens, we're in trouble. Yeah, in trouble. yeah that's a, we will not that's be a good able point. to do our jobs. Yeah, you know. that's, a, that's, that's a real good point. Over-regulating, they saw it in Norway, so... Sounds like it's uh, well, Donnie. You know, it's just what we were talking about. That's why we got to get, you know, it, it's so hard to get drivers, you know, to 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 get active and take action. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think we're seeing. Um, it's very uplifting to to look at the social media sites like Facebook. I mean, there's a lot of activity, and I know Rich is involved in a lot of it. I see him on there, and. Um, I know, James, you're probably observing it all uh, also. I don't know if you've been on Facebook much recently, but, you know, there's a lot of activity and people, 
you know, putting really having some great ideas and, and input to it all. Um, it's not that hard. All people have to do is they should just let Americans do what Americans do best, and that's get back to work. And if they just stop with all this, it's just personal interest. It's these large interest groups that are just doing this, and it's just let Americans work. Then we'd be okay. It's it's as simple as that. But um, you're talking about money. They, people, there's very few people that are making money, and um, and yeah, I, you know, I have seen the activity that's been going on on Facebook, and people are getting involved, and and it's it's also. It's encouraging when you see this because when I when I first started speaking to y'all, I was deciding whether I wanted to go back to the U.S. and I wanted to get into this industry, and this is how this whole thing started. And uh, and I found it not to be beneficial to do that after almost a year of research. And it's um, it, you know it's 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 well, it we're looking encouraging. forward to meeting you though in October. Um, and, Absolutely, and- I can't wait. I know it's going to be great. Um, we're going to be meeting a lot of people uh, for the first time there. Matter of fact, we just had um, Gerda and her husband were our first two Canadians that um, that reserved the spot. And that reminds me, you know, because people are asking, well, you know, is this just for Americans? No, anybody. The 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 convention is going to be for um, drivers and those who support drivers who want to see a positive uh, change in the industry and who want to work together to do that. So, no, it's not limited uh, to Americans at all. And, uh, you know, James is a perfect example, and Gerda. James, you're from Norway. Gerda's from Canada. So yeah, looking forward to meeting all those people. I think, Alan, we were going to announce something. Um, yeah, well, we're winding it down here. We've got some announcement. James and Rich, I appreciate you hanging on and uh, um Keeping us uh, so well informed on the show, I appreciate it. Um, uh, but we're kind of winding it down here. But Donna, you had some announcements, right? I know. Uh, you, you know, I have received. Uh, uh, I've received quite a few emails from people, from listeners of the show in Japan. And uh, you know, I know you probably have something to say about Japan, the devastation going on there. So you know, we're thinking about them. Best. Um you know, we hear about pray for Japan. When you when you say those words, you you picture a country, you know, in in the water. And, but you know, it's pray for these these people are suffering. It's pray for the people of Japan. Um, this this is just an unbelievable, huge national disaster. Millions are are being left without food, shelter, fuel, um, and it's cold on top of that. I heard it was even snowing there last night when we were looking at yeah. a lot of the footage. It's really it's, in in the face of a nuclear meltdown. Uh, well, that it's was, unbelievable. That's the next thing. I mean, th- this is totally heartbreaking, and uh, I, I do think you know we need to set aside um, some time during the day and and just you know pray for these people and uh, and they're 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 suffering right now and. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just horrible to watch, especially, you know, if you, you get online and you watch some of these news clips, um, you know, they're very heartbreaking. And with the, and then you've got the repercussions. We don't even know what they could be uh, from the nuclear, uh, the, the leaking going on. They're putting, they're putting that salt water, the ocean water, trying to cool them down, causing all these other hydrogen explosions and, you know, it's just a big mess over there, so I think um, prayer is in order for that. 
You can, um, if you want to make any kind of a donation, um, you can go and text 90999 for a $10 donation to Japan. Um, I was looking on Twitter today. I saw that Qualcomm, I mean, and there's a, a lot of companies I'm sure did this, and I, I don't mean to slight any of them. It's just that my eyes went, and I know Qualcomm um, gave a million dollars. So wow. I'm pretty impressed with that. Yeah. Um, but like I said, I, I think Google was another one that gave a lot of money, and I'm sure there's a lot of us that you know, I didn't see. But like I said, that's the one that, that caught my eye as I was going down the timeline. Um, I also want to say, um, I mentioned it just a minute ago, uh, about the, our, um, our convention in October, which we're very excited about, and it is to discuss a lot of these issues, you know, um, rationally and calmly. And, you know, everybody's got a lot of ideas, and, and everybody doesn't agree. And that's what it's all about. You know, you don't have to agree. You don't even have to like each other. But, you know, to get to get all this out in the open is important. And I want to thank so far our sponsors, and I'm going to announce who they are uh, right now up to date. It's um, Idle Air, uh, which they've uh, established. Um, uh, uh, it's the new Idle Air. They've taken over, and they've got a whole new uh concept and uh, and way of doing things. We're really impressed with them. You can go in March on Tuesday and get it free, by the way, who, whoever's listening. Then we have Trans Products. That's Rich, who's on the phone right now. Excellent. Uh, Hotels for Truckers is also a sponsor uh, for the con- hotels, the number four, and then Truckers. And then we have Lone Mountain Leasing who is an unbelievable uh, company if you're looking to lease uh, on a truck, um, just totally, you know, ethical and honest, and we just love them. Then we have the Load Post, who's also a sponsor. Um, they've donated a, a, a wonderful package. Uh, it's valued almost at $2,000 for the winner of the Make a Difference Award. And as everybody knows, the Load Post, um, you can go to bestloadpost.com, and you're going to see a load board like you've never seen before. It has a learning curve, but if you're willing to to put in about an hour or two to learn and save thousands of dollars, um, you know, that's the way I look at it, two hours of work to, to learn how to use something to save thousands. Um, you know, it's worth it to me. Uh, if you are interested in sponsoring uh, our event, um, you can go to info at truckingsocialmedia.com and um, or email. Uh, yeah, did I? What did I say? They go to info at truckingsocialmedia.com. And again, um, we've had people write us and say, you know, we're from Canada. Can can we come to the event? Of course. You know, you're, everybody's welcome. It's for truck drivers and those who support truck drivers, and everyone knows that the Canadian drivers deal with a lot of the um, the regulations that the American drivers do and a lot of the hardships that American drivers do. So absolutely, you know, you're welcome. And um, that's all the announcements I have for this evening. I'll probably think of some more after the show's over. So. <laughs> Oh, that's all right. Well, I appreciate everybody listening in on the lines, everybody in the chat room. Um, uh, hopefully, next time I'll be feeling a little, feeling uh, 
back up to par, uh, just fighting this bronchitis, this thing. But um, you know, I want to. I, I, you know, we're talking about the convention. I want to share with you just real quick why it's so important for all of you who have a uh, heartfelt concern for the trucking industry and for yourselves as drivers the significance and importance of the first annual Truck Driver Social Media Convention in October. Uh, all of you listening to our show tonight are those who have deep concerns. We've learned that. You write me after the shows. You share your concerns. You ask questions on how to help. So you truly want to see positive, uh, positive change for yourselves and the industry. Well, then I, I just kind of want to make it clear the convention in October is to unite all of us with the same goals. It's a way to finally gather all those who want change and, more importantly, want to be a part of that change. And although social media is powerful, uh, it, it's just not enough anymore to get on a Facebook thread or a forum thread and, and, and uh, discuss or debate the issues. The fact is there are so many of us who, who, uh, who really care and who have so much knowledge and input to offer yet it all gets scattered throughout the different social media threads. So the October Convention is a way to unite all of us who care into one place, uh, bring up our greatest concerns, and then share our ideas and solutions uh, with one another, and also with a panel of specialists who can offer their advice and expertise with us. And um, finally, we can, uh, we can then take all that we know and have the greatest part of what we walk away with shared in a positive way using everything we've learned and then apply it to ways to create the change we want. So really the main purpose of the first annual Truck Driver Social Media Convention is to unite ourselves, to unite drivers, discuss the issues, share ideas, and then reach more people virally in order to be heard and have real solutions. So uh, I'm going to tell you something. that People are counting on us not to unite and I've been told recently that drivers won't ever unite because they just want to complain about problems and talk about solutions but don't want to do anything themselves to change things they want someone else to do it so when I get a letter from drivers saying you know hey Alan I really want to come but I don't know where I'll be in October you know what I tell them if your career and concerns for what's going on are as important as you say they are, then you'll know exactly where you will be in October, uniting with other drivers and professionals in the industry to discuss the things most important to you. And uh, our, our radio audience on Truth About Trucking Live is the most concerned drivers out there. They're really top-notch. Um, I mean, you hear James from from Norway, very knowledgeable. We have the cream of the crop of listeners on Truth About Truck and Lie. That's one thing I'm very proud of. And every week you tune in because you care about what's going on. You are the kind of people that we need attending. So I'm telling everybody, if you, you need to commit and place your reservation in today. I mean, once, once you do, you'll feel the power of being an active part of positive change for yourself and an entire industry. Because remember, complaining doesn't get results. Action gets results. So i just like to invite everybody. I, I haven't even really talked about it much, Donna. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like to just invite everybody to go to the website right now and, and just do it. Click on the reservation page and make that commitment to be a part of history and the first time ever that drivers have actually come together for a true truck driver convention. So just go to truckingsocialmedia.com. 
click on the reservation tab on the top, and once you do that, then you'll know exactly where you'll be in October, and you can then plan your schedule around what's important to you. So make it a priority, and don't miss this opportunity. We really like to meet you, and it's something that we've been planning a long time, so we look forward to uh, to having you there. And um, well, we're getting a lot of good feedback, Donna. I mean, I think it's just going to be great. Yeah, I, I know. I, I I get a lot of emails, and people are really excited. And, of course, they say the same thing. You know, I'm not sure where I'm going to be, and you made it a good point. Well, you know what? Commit to it, and then work things around. It kind of reminded me when I read this one email, I thought to myself, it reminded me of the people who who are, like, waiting to have children. Well, it's not really time yet. Well, I've got to wait for this to happen and that to happen and this to happen. And before you know it, you know, I mean, you, you don't, some things you can plan your life around when it's going to be something you want. So it's going to be a matter of what is your priority? Do you, do you really want all this, all the things that we talk about? And, um, and and then just do it like you said. That was that was very well said, Alan. That, that's so true. Everything you said. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, you know, it's not just a big party. You know, we're going to talk. We're going to discuss. Uh, and just you know, hear from other drivers what's going on out there, what can be done, what needs to be done. And you know, the first the first uh, truck driver convention. You know, I wanted it to be. You know. You know, big. I, it, it has to be the mother of all conventions. You know, I want it to be an annual event, and uh, you know, the the future events. Uh, you know, we can tone it down some. You know, try. You know, I think we've made it. You know, pretty affordable with everything that we're doing there. But it had to. You know, it has. It had to be big. You know, and and we're getting a lot of good feedback, and uh, we have it to. Uh, what till June first to put in the reservations, but if you know if you can just do it now, you'll know exactly yeah, I, where you'll be in October. That's just it, you know. I think sometimes it's best just to to do it, and then you start, you know, planning. Because I think the biggest thing people do, and, and drivers are really, really guilty of this, is procrastination. And I, I really, I'd hate to see, especially you know, our followers and listeners miss out on this, and uh, because. Tremendous opportunity. I mean, where else can you go and talk to, you know, lawyer, a, a business specialist, an employment placement um, service? Uh, w- the fellow we have for social media, um, I understand. You know, he just he just is unbelievable as far as teaching you any kind of skills. Austin Walsh. Austin Walsh, right? Yeah, he's one of the leading social media. That's that's. That's the name of the game, the annual truck driver social media convention. So we've got one of the top experts on social media in the country who uh, who's going to be there. So we've got Rich, who I mean, how many every day I get at least I don't know how many you get. Some come to your mail, some to my email. Questions about CSA, CSA. Well, we're going to have a regulatory specialist there with Rich and. You know he's going to be talking. So th- this is just an unbelievable event, and I'm, I sometimes I, I wonder if people don't realize the wealth of information and opportunity. And I know a lot of you do, um, so you need just to commit to it, and then you'll figure out in October where you are. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, sounds good. I hope to see everybody there, 
and we'll keep you updated on everything. We'll wrap it up here for this broadcast of Truth About Trucking Live. So thanks for joining us, and keep up on our show schedule at blogtalkradio.com slash truthabouttrucking. And be sure to bookmark us and add us to your favorites, and we do hope you will join us at the first annual Truck Drivers Social Media Convention on Saturday, October 15, 2011. Check it out at truckingsocialmedia.com. And Jan McCarter of the keystruckers.com will be performing live. And, uh, you know, that's another thing, man. We've got uh, uh, Truckers Tracks, the band performing. We have uh, uh, Johnny Neal, who's formerly of the Allman Brothers Band. Man, he's going to be there. Uh, you know, I just uh, it's going to be cool just to listen to them, you know, do their thing up on stage. Oh, I know it's going to end with a big bash, and the 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 food that's going to be there too is going to be, you know, it's not going to be your hot dog and hamburger. I mean, it's going to be a whole of a buffet of of, uh, of of gourmet food. So, I mean, it's really quite an event um, that that Alan's envisioned and planned. And when he first brought it up to me, I was like. I, you know, I couldn't even imagine it, and but now here it is. It's coming together, and the sponsors were con- were in uh, communication with uh, Daily for new sponsors, and it, I mean it's really happening, and it, it's really a, it's so exciting. I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I hope everybody will join us. And like I said, Jan McCarter of the KeysTruckers.com will be performing live, and and her other half, Jim McCarter, and he's an owner operator. I guess you know they're owner operator for JB Hunt, and uh, he will be there as well. And of course, he's well known for his uh, split personality, I guess, of Bobby Buffet from all the YouTube videos. So a lot of stuff planned. Uh, you know, it's just going to be a great time, I think, for everyone. And He's going to be uh, having the drawings. He's going to be um, pulling the, the, the receipts out of the hat, I guess you'll say, because everybody's going to have a chance at it who comes. And um, that's another thing, you know, with the sponsorships. We'll be giving away two $1,000 um, prizes, three $750 prizes, and four $500 so that's a pretty good chunk of change right there. So. Yeah, yeah, to- <laughs> yeah. Total of uh, six thousand two hundred and fifty dollars in cash giveaways, and uh, uh, I'll have to rig it where my name comes up every time. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, okay. Thanks for joining us uh, this evening. Uh, kind of end the uh, end the end the show on a on a positive note here. We'll just keep watching. Um, See what happens with this NAFTA thing. Keep fighting for drivers out there and their jobs. Uh, uh, government bureaucracy has gone gone wild, but uh, we'll we'll just see what happens. Keep you informed. So uh, here's Jan McCarter of the KeysTruckers.com. You can download her songs from their site. And here's one of the tunes that uh, uh, you'll probably hear her perform live at the convention. And uh, it's called. Pretty girls drive big rigs, too, and I know they do because I've seen them out there. So thanks again, everybody, for joining us. We'll catch you next time on Truth About Trucking Live right here on Block Talk Radio. So for Truth About Trucking Live, I'm Alan Smith along with Donna. Drive safe, and thanks for listening. Fit in with the truck.